good to be in the house of the Lord again. Amen. God is good to us. He is so worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. It has been such a good week of camp meeting. You know, we've had a lot of, we've had camp meetings and revivals, but you know, I can honestly say I've never had my faith personally increased as much as I have this week. God has so greatly increased my faith. Man, it has been so awesome. God is so good. Amen. And it's, you know, those weeks are often, and hey, they are. Those weeks, they're kind of tiring, amen? How many of you are tired this weekend? And i got to tell you, yesterday I took a day of rest, and it was much needed, amen? This morning I'm going to start off and share my testimony with you, give the Word of God as the Lord leads. And it was brought to my attention by a sister here in our congregation that has lost someone in the military that was serving. But uh, I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. I just want to... This morning, just pray that God would just give us Himself. You know, the Bible says He came to set the prisoners free, to open eyes of the blind. He came to heal and save. Amen. We need God this morning. Amen. So while I pray, I'm going to just pray for those families that have lost, um, that have lost loved ones, and just pray that God would move and give us Himself in our service, that He'd awaken our spiritual ears and eyes, we'd be obedient to His will and His way this morning. Amen. God, we worship You this morning. Thank You so much for Your salvation. Thank You, God, for the cross. Thank You that You gave us Your best and You sent Your Son to die. Thank You so much that we can be saved and be born again. And Lord, we are reminded of this morning that there is a price for freedom, God. We're so thankful for those men and those women that have served in our nation, God. We're thankful for them. We ask for You to bless them. And God, we pray for those families that have lost, Lord. I myself have lost friends, and I know there's people in here that have lost friends and family serving our great nation, God. We ask you right now, Father, in Jesus' name, to bless and comfort those families. Just, uh, Lord, put your arms around them, God, and just thank you that you are a healer and a redeemer. And Lord, we come before you this morning, God. We've had a great week of revival. God, it's been good, but Lord, we come before you this morning hungry again. We come before You this morning. We need You, God. We don't want to be complacent and go through the motions, God. Lord, we're asking You, give us Yourself. Be exalted. Be lifted up, Lord. I ask You to anoint the sermon. Anoint the testimony. Anoint the hour, Lord. Anoint the soil, God. Give us Yourself. Help me to get out of Your way, God. Anoint my lips and my tongue. Just give us Yourself. Be glorified. Be lifted up, God. Have Your way in this place. And all God's people said, Amen. You know, I really had prayed about it and had a super busy week and was really just asking God for direction. And I do believe God just laid it on my heart to share a testimony. You know, I know there's probably some of you in here that have heard it a dozen or 15 times. But, you know, I was reminded when Pastor Joplin was going through the book of Acts, how many times Paul just continued to tell people over and over again what God had simply done in his life. And I am thankful. When she was singing that song, I'm so thankful that I'm saved this morning. I just really, at times, I can't believe I was sitting here praising the Lord when she was singing that song. And I just thought, I can't believe that it's me that's up here that's preaching. I can't. Last week, one of my old buddies called me and he said, I saw your stepbrother out somewhere. They were out. And he said, yeah, I saw your stepbrother. And... Uh, I told him that you were a pa- an associate pastor of a church, and he did not believe me. He thought I was joking, and that's he, he didn't believe him. 
that I was an associate pastor of a church. He said, there's no way. Branson is the craziest person. There's no way he's an associate pastor of the church. And, you know, I thought to myself, that sounds about right hearing from somebody that hadn't met me. God has been so good to me. He has been so faithful to me, and I'm so thankful to be saved. I was, I was raised right here, born and raised here in Derby, Kansas. Uh, I went to a church uh, in Wichita, and, and it had a, there was a, a split in my family when I was young. And um, uh, then there was a remarriage, and, and uh, you know, things in my life began to become kind of shaky and rocky. And really, over the years, slowly, I began to become very, very angry. And, you know, one thing we cannot do is say, well, uh, you know, I did this. Um, I did such and such sin, or I did this and I did that because this happened in my life. You know, we can never point to an excuse of why we sinned, why we went off into the darkness. You know, the mistakes I made and the choices I made, I sinned because I'm a sinner. I, went, I can't point and say, well, it's because of this person's fault, it's because of this person's fault. I was wrong and I went out and sinned because I was selfish and that's what I wanted to do. I can't point the blame at anybody, but I began to become very, very angry over the years. I used to fight in school a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. I, I even got pulled out of school. I went to homeschool, Christian school, pri- uh, private school, homeschool, Christian school, and public school. I went to all three over the years. And, you know, I moved out when I was 17. There was really no peace in the home. I become to, began to become older, and uh, there was just no peace in my home. You know, I'm one of the oldest boys, and there's a stepfather in the home, and uh, really, there was just no peace. And I moved out when I was 17 and really from that time slowly began down a path. And, you know, sometimes some of us, have, you know, I always hear sometimes when I share my testimony, when I started doing drugs and started doing all this stuff, I hear some people say, oh, yeah, I went through that phase in my life. And then they just kind of grew out of it, you know, and got a job and a family. And it was a phase. I want you to know this this morning. I'm not bragging. It was not a phase. I wasn't going through a phase in my life. It was my life. Hardcore, it was my life. Every single day, for almost nine years, solid, blackout drunk, hardcore drugs and alcohol, each and every day, fighting like a maniac, arrested several times. When I was 19, my house was raided here in Derby. I was a maniac. I was so angry. I would fight at the drop of a hat. I was the wildest man. You know when they say, I love that, I think it's that Casting Crown song that says, I was the lost cause. I was the outcast. That was me. I was the lost cause. I was the outcast. I was the last person that you would ever think would get saved, let alone be someone preaching in a church house. Amen? Praise God. His word says different. He uses the weak to lead the strong. He uses the foolish things of this world to dumbfound the wise. And, and for years and years, that was my life. And, and I was always raised in church when I was younger. I can quote all 66 books of the Bible. I can tell you verses. I knew I had been in church for years and years. And the outcome of me being in church was basically, I hate church and I hate church people. You know, you hear a lot of people say this today. Well, I believe in God. I just don't believe in organized religion. What I've seen, I, I can say this, and I'll say it boldly, and I'm not going to be unapologetic. About, I'm not going to be apologetic about it. So you say, well, I'm not the Holy Spirit, and, and I can't say who's saved, but I'll say this. All my years, of 17 years of being in church, I don't ever remember one person. I can't look back and remember one person being saved. Not one time, ever. It was a bunch of Pharisees, 
self-righteous, religious hypocrites that knew nothing of the love of God. I'd never seen the love of God before. I'd never seen the love of God until I got saved at Crossway Church. I don't mean that to be mean. I'm just being transparent and very honest with you. And listen, the Bible says we war not according to the flesh. Satan is the enemy. Hey, God saves. Hey, you remember Saul, the greatest Pharisee and self-righteous, religious, hypocrite in all of Scripture. God saved Saul and made him a Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. Amen? But I'm just telling you, that was my outcome of church. And and praise the Lord, uh, when I was 25, it was funny. I remember years sitting in my garage, just me and my one friend, who, um, who nobody in here knows. He's never even been to church here before. Well, actually, he was the best man in my wedding. But I used to tell him, years and years sitting in my garage, I always told him this. I said, I don't know what it is, but I'll do something big someday. I don't know what it is. And I also told him this. If things don't change, I will die before I, I will not live to be past 25 years old. Now, I know that may sound crazy to you. I'm just being honest and transparent and sharing with you my testimony. That happened probably a half dozen times. If he were here, he would tell that to you. I told him, I told him, God, uh, I didn't say God. I said, someday I'm going to do something big. I said, if my life doesn't change, I will not live to be past 25 years old. And uh, anyway, so my life continued. And when I was 25, I happened to meet a, uh, somebody in the gymnasium here, the DRC in Derby. My name's Branson, and my whole life people say, well, I'm Springfield, and I'm this, and I'm that. And he always tell me a different name from Missouri, something I've heard my whole life. But he told me his name was Joplin. And I said, well, that, that's funny. You know, and he said, no, really, my, really, my name is Joplin. I said, oh, okay, well, I am Branson. And he invited me to church. <laughs> and he invited me to church, and, and I thought to myself, save it. I've heard it before. I know about Jesus. I know about the plan of salvation. I can quote to you Scripture. I can quote to you God's Word. I believed 100% that I was saved because I'd said a prayer. I cried out, Lord, save me. I've been baptized and I believed in the name of Jesus. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. I must be saved. That's what I believed. But my life spoke otherwise. You see, there's more to it than that in the Scripture. And guess what? The truth is, you can call upon the name of the Lord. You will be saved. You can say the sinner's prayer and be saved. Praise God. Millions have been saved by that prayer. That prayer is very, very precious to many people. Amen? But one thing I had seen my whole life was and told that was false, false doctrine, was that if you said that, you were definitely 100% saved and don't ever question it. You know, Jesus never said, pray a prayer. Jesus said, follow me. My life spoke to who's my king. My life spoke to who is my master. You see, that is 100% true. You can call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. But there is more to it than that. You must compare Scripture with Scripture. Anybody can take one Scripture. Satan took one Scripture. And he twisted the meaning. There's more to it than that. You must be following him. He must be your king, your master. You must repent of your sin. You know what it is to repent of your sin? Does the Bible not say, did he not say repent? What it is, what is it to repent? To turn around and go the other way. Say, we believe repentance a lot today. I've seen it. I've seen it all my life. Repentance is, oh, you said this. Keep going the same way, but you said it. No, listen, I believe in that. You've got to say it. 
You've got to proclaim it. You've got to praise God and tell, call upon the name of the Lord. You will be saved. But it is a matter of the heart. You must turn and repent of your sin. And I believed I was saved. I believed that uh, God would save me and someday I would die. And when I died, I would go to heaven. And I was one of those people that would have stood and said, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? The Lord would have said, depart from me. What's he say? I did not know you. Those who what? Those who didn't say the prayer? Those who what? Those who practice lawlessness. You see, I used to say this to people who were saved when they'd confront me about my sin. Well, uh, you know, Branson, what about this and this? You practice these sins. Well, who are you? Are you Jesus Christ? Are you perfect? Do you never sin? Must be nice. Isn't that kind of the response of the world? Hey, he didn't say we'd be perfect. He did say you would be different. You should be different. You will not. Hey, those, you cannot tell me you are following Jesus Christ and walking in darkness. You cannot tell me you follow Jesus Christ and He is your master and your king while you practice lawlessness. That's not scripture. That's not biblical. You can mess up. We see many mistakes of all the men in this book other than Jesus beginning to end. They were all men. They all sinned, but guess what? We never see a man continually willful practice a sinful lifestyle that follows Christ. It doesn't exist in Scripture. Hey, listen, people, some people believe you can lose your salvation. Some people believe that you can't. That don't matter. One thing that we agree on is this. If you're saved, you'll be following the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, when I, when I, I met Joplin in the gym, and he invited me to church, and I kind of forgot about it. We didn't really have a deep talk or conversation. And a few months later, I was on probation in Wichita. And uh, I was on probation in Wichita, and I was just still in trouble, and I was 25, and it was in October. So I would have been 26 in about four more months. So, that being said, from what I'd said before about not living past 25, it had been on my mind, and... Anyways, he invited me to church, and I knew where this building was. And on October 21st, 2007, Hannah was my girlfriend at the time. She was going to come pick me up and take me to her church in, um, in, in another town. And she, she was my girlfriend, and she just wanted me to go with her family. I was like, well, whatever, that's fine. I'll go to church with my girlfriend and her family, so... October 21st, 2007, I lean forward in my bed to get up. My alarm goes off. I can still see it. I lean forward in my bed and something inside of me right here says Joplin. I'm like, man, that is so strange. Why would you think of this guy you met one time, you know, three or four months ago? I can't really remember. I thought that was strange. I got up, got dressed. Hannah picked me up. We go to a church in another town. I'd been drunk the night before, so I had a Gatorade, and I walk in the sanctuary, and I know how church people are supposed to treat me, because I'm a guest. So I walk in the sanctuary, and the first thing a guy says is this, hey, bro, we don't bring drinks in here. And I thought, this is why I hate church. This is why I hate these self-righteous hypocrites. This is why I don't come. Of course, I was just thinking it. But I just thought, man, this is so stupid. And uh, something else was going on with Hannah and her family, and long story short, we ended up leaving. It was very strange that I planned to go to church and all this had happened that we're driving and heading back to Derby and Hannah's crying. And while we're driving back, I was like, man, that's really weird that I thought of that Joplin guy today. 
That's strange. And so I tell Hannah, I was like, hey, let's go to this guy's church. We can make it. So we come here and we drive in. Uh, we pull up. Uh, we come and sit over here in the back and we sit down. And as I walk in the sanctuary, there's a special singing group singing to the audience that day for worship. So I sit down and something speaks to me again when I sit down in my pew. And I'm just being transparent. You believe me or not, I'm just telling you what happened. I sat down in my pew and something spoke to me and said, God brought you here today for a reason. And I thought, well, that's even more strange how I ended up here. Then Joplin comes up to preach and this is what he says. He said, God spoke to me last night so powerful. I was supposed to finish a series today on Nehemiah, but God spoke to me last night powerful and told me to change the sermon. I'm not going to lie, when, when he said that, and I was sitting there, and all these other events had taken place, I thought, this is getting strange now. This is, something's going on. This is just weird. And uh, so I sat there, and he began to preach, and he preached a sermon called Soldiers for the Cross. And I began to sense and feel something that I'd never felt in my entire life. I felt like there was a ghost in this room. And praise God, there was a Holy Ghost in this room. And God began to minister to me and speak to me. And I was very blunt before. And every wall that I threw up, I said, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? Every time, it was almost like the preacher was preaching right to me. And every time I said something, it was like the preacher had a response while I'm talking to myself in the back. And the preacher says something, and it was of God. And God began to speak to me and break down these walls and break through the hate and break through the bitterness. And he got to Branson. He got to the person who thought he was tough, but really who was just a weak coward. He got to the person that was really just broken and sorrowful. And when he made it to that place, it was time for the altar call. And I realized this one thing, that God loved me and He had not given up on me. I realized that Jesus Christ brought me to His church house. I realized that God brought me here for one single purpose. And that was to say, Branson, I love you and I haven't given up on you. And Joplin had the altar call and we stood and a part of me said, don't do it. It's a ball and chain. Why do you want to go to church all the time? What if you want to get drunk on New Year's or something? What if you want to do this or that? The other part of me said, Branson, you hate your life. You hate yourself. All you do is destroy. And I just remember standing there. And I basically, I don't know if I got saved when I was at my pew or at the altar. I don't really don't know. I couldn't tell you. All I can tell you is this. I was standing there and I just said, I really don't remember what I said, but something deep inside my spirit and my soul, somewhere deep inside, said, God, I don't have much left, but what I have is yours. I stepped out of my pew. I came and knelt at this altar right here, and I wept like I've never cried in my entire life. Joplin, the pastor, prayed over me, and I just remember him saying things that I'd heard my whole life. See, there's a part of the story I left out. When I was younger, two or three different times, 10, 12, 14, 8 years old, People have told me, someday you're going to be a preacher. Someday God's going to use you. Someday you're going to be a pastor. And I thought that was just crazy. And Joplin, when he prayed over me, said some of the very things I'd heard my entire life. And he'd never known me. And God changed my life that day. I remember always thinking giving my life to Christ would be a ball and chain. And I stood up for the first time. I was free. The old Branson died. I was born of spirit, born again. He changed my life. I've never been the same since. 
And I remember looking back and Hannah was gone and I thought maybe she left. And I looked over, she was up here and Hannah got saved and God changed our lives. And, and I told the pastor everything I just told you. And he said, remember when God told me to change the sermon when he was up here looking over the audience, he saw me sitting in the back and he said, God spoke to him and said, that's why I changed the sermon. You know, I know that God ministered to other people that day. I know God spoke to other people that day. But can I tell you, it is that personal. He will come and He will seek you out and He will find you. Listen, if all that we do, if you have a ministry and it goes on an entire lifetime, if one soul was saved, it would all be worth it. He will, He would pursue you that much. He would put that much effort into you. He died on that cross and you are worth it to Jesus Christ. He saved me and changed my life. In Matthew chapter 12, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Amen. Amen. Testimonies are powerful, amen? Is it Revelation chapter 12 where it says, They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the Word. Of their testimony. Your testimony is powerful. Some people will never listen to you lecture on God's Word. They'll never listen to the Gospel. But you know what? They'll stop and listen to what you have to say, what God did in your life. I don't care. Listen, some people say, well, you have a powerful testimony. I believe that, but I want to say this. If you've been saved, so do you. Your testimony is powerful. What God has done in your life, hey, your testimony can reach people that I'll never speak to. Your testimony will reach people that Pastor Joplin will never talk to. Your testimony, what God has done in your life, is powerful. Amen? Matthew chapter 12, verse 9 says this, Now when He, being Jesus, now when He had departed from there, He went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked Him, saying, that's the Pharisees, and the entire dialogue before this is the Pharisees and Jesus. And when they asked him, the Pharisees asking Jesus, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? We see here Jesus enter into their synagogue. Jesus is basically going to church, their church, the synagogue. And it says there was a man who had a withered hand. There's a man in the temple with a withered hand. He's in the church house. And the Pharisees asked Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? We know here shortly, I'll get ahead of myself, but Jesus says it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. But what was their purpose of this question? That they might accuse him. That they might accuse him. This was the sole purpose. This was the purpose of the hypocrites. This was the purpose of the religious, self-righteous Pharisees. Their purpose was that they might accuse him. You know, the Bible says the devil, Satan, is the accuser of the brethren. And you notice that they were trying to make, they were basically trying to teach their commandments as the doctrine of God. But their purpose was to accuse Jesus. You know, when I first got saved, I wondered when God had changed my life, when God had set me free, what was that I was in my whole life? 
These people, they all knew Scripture. They all knew the Word of God. They all claimed to love God. They all stood. You know, these weren't people that were out drinking or, or atheists. This was people who went to church every week, who went to camp all the time, the, Christ, the Christian camps and took us there. This was the people that quoted Scripture and always taught. This was the people that, that went to church every week and knew all of God's Word. And I'd never seen one half ounce of God's love in my entire life from any of them. You see, the Pharisees were self-righteous. They were self-righteous. They trusted in what they did. Then you Notice, we see them here in the house of God. Hey, you read in Matthew. One thing that really helped me when I got saved was reading the Bible for myself. I always wondered, what was all that? And then you read the Bible for yourself. Read how much in the Gospels God deals with a bunch of self-righteous fakes. Read in, the, read in Matthew how many times they deal with the Pharisees. Real, I mean, you know, and I'll say this: when they say hypocrites, they didn't just say it from the from the pulpit. Or, they said it right to their face: "You hypocrites, you brood of vipers." You see, they rejected God. They rejected His love. They accused Jesus. You know, that's one of the telltale signs of a Pharisee. You ever know somebody is? And I'll say this: I said it this week already. But there's only one church. It really doesn't matter how you see it. It doesn't matter if you think there's a bunch of denominations or there's a bunch of this. The Bible says there's one Spirit, one Lord, one faith. If you're a born-again Christian, you are a part of the church of the living God. There's only one church. We're the ones who have divided ourselves up, not God. 95% of what we agree on is the exact same thing. But we are willing to separate on, oh, they do this worship, oh, oh they do that. I'll tell you this, the telltale sign of people who are Pharisees are those that try and quench the worship of God. Pharisees want to accuse. They want you to see their self-righteousness. The Bible says in the book of John, they love the praise of men more than God. And I believe this fully in my heart. Those people, they don't know that they're self-righteous. They don't know that they're Pharisees. They're totally deceived. They're deceived. Thank God Jesus told us a tree is known by its fruit. They are totally deceived. They believe they love God. These men, they knew the Old Testament. They knew the Scriptures. They believed they were standing for God. And they rejected His Son to His face. They accused, looked look to accuse the Son of God to His face. Because it's all about them. It's all about them being self-righteous. It's all about them getting the glory. You know, one thing I'd seen, and some of the things I'd heard growing up, and I still see there's Pharisees all over today. And, and you know, I'm saying this partly. If you're in here and you've rejected the Lord, someday you cannot stand before God and say, God, I didn't serve you because these religious fakes over here. You won't be able to do that. Hey, listen, they rejected Jesus. God speaks about Him all over in His Word. You need to know this. Because what's one of the main reasons people say that are lost? I don't go to church. Because of why? Because of all the religious hypocrites. Listen, we need to know this. It's here in God's Word. He deals with it right here in Scripture for us. They're everywhere. Every time Jesus went somewhere, there they were. You need to know this. As the church of the living God, there's going to be Pharisees. There's some church that are all Pharisees. I mean, listen, they're going to be in the house. The tares grow amongst the wheat. Some of the telltale signs, I remember sometimes hearing this, you know, talking about worship and praise. You know, just like in Brian Bear preached, the python, the enemy, wants to suffocate our praise. You know, I've seen over the years people say, well, oh, that's not real praise. Show me that in Scripture where a man of God ever said that. Oh, that's not real praise. 
Who are you to judge whether somebody's praise is true or not? It's not for you to judge. And it's not for you anyways. It's for Jesus Christ. It's funny to think, well, that's not real. Oh, really? So you know their heart? And we have to be careful. There's a little bit of self-righteous Pharisee in all of us. We must quench that flesh and live life by the Spirit. Amen? You know, I remember always saying, well, so, and it's funny, they always use this on praise. Well, the Bible says in Corinthians, everything's to be done in order and decency. What are you talking about? I mean, yeah, that Scripture, uh, that Scripture's talking about when they're speaking in tongues in church. It's to make sure that they do it two or three at a time and don't do it on top of each other and make sure there's an interpreter. That verse where they're talking about that, what's that got to do with quenching our praise? Yeah, if you were here on the camp meeting, I believe it was third, when Joplin preached, you remember King David? He danced before the Lord with all his might. You know what she meant? I've heard other people say some really stupid um, commentary on this. Listen, when it says that he uncovered himself, you know what that meant? That meant that you basically, listen, you're supposed to be the king. I'm the king. I do not worship. I do not praise. I will not open up myself to you. She, when she said, listen, you basically uncovered yourself. It was because David went all out and danced before the Lord with all his might. Don't be afraid to worship. Don't be afraid to praise. The Pharisees, they're going to want to come along and listen. They're going to want to accuse you, say, that's not real. That's not the... Don't worry about them. Remember what Cal Ray said it the other night? What did that woman keep doing that was healed? She just kept praising the Lord. I love, that. I love what he said. I'd heard this a few years ago, too, from their other camp meeting. Somebody said, to, somebody said to Mike Blanton once, hey, Jesus never jumped, kicked, and hollered and spit like you do. And he said, you're right, but everybody he touched did. He's worthy of our praise. Here the Bible says in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says to the hypocrites, Matthew 15, verse 7, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Isn't that what we just saw here in Scripture? They were teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. I remember when I was a little kid, my mom took our family to see 101 Dalmatians. Good movie, amen? We went and saw that movie, and I remember going to church, and we had to be quiet and not tell anybody about it. Can you believe that? Where, where's the love of God in that? See, the Pharisees, they teach as the doctrine of God their own commandments. It's all about being self-righteous. It's all about the outside of the cup looking clean, but the inside is filthy. You know, it's interesting. Listen to what it says. Listen, they draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. They worship me in vain and they teach. They teach, they worship, they honor God with their lips and with their mouth. But it's all in vain. And their heart is far from God. The book of 1 John says this. First John chapter 5, verse 13 says this, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe the name of the Son of God. You know God wants us to know if we're saved or not? Listen to this. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, 
For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Everyone who is born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. He's love. You know, I've seen over the years, you know, we can, uh, you know what the Pharisees, they only stand in truth. Because the love of God is not in them. They can't stand on the truth and in love. Ephesians says, tell, speaking the truth in love. See, it's all just truth, just truth, just truth. You know, we can stand against sin, church. We can and we ought to stand against sin. We ought to come out from their midst and be separate. We can stand against sin and do it. We can stand for truth in love. Listen, the love of God is not really that hard to see. And listen, hey. I'm not the Holy Spirit. People aren't going to stand before me. But the Bible says you shall know them by the fruits. The Bible says a tree is known by its fruit. And here's the, I'm just going to be point blank and honest. Here's what I believe. The love of God is not something that's really that hard to see. It's not. Think about everybody that you know that is saved. Think about everybody that you know that you believe loves and has a relationship with Christ. Think about it. They love. Pastor Joplin. He loves. Doug. He loves. Kevin and Kelly. They love. Name everybody you know that's saved. That you believe is born again. They love people. Why? Because everybody who is born of God has love in them. The love of God. That's one of the marks of being a Christian. You love with the love of Christ all over you. I heard the Word of God in Scripture my whole life. Never saw any love. It didn't change nobody. See, you can have all the knowledge. You can know the first five books are like the Pharisees. You can be like the self-righteous and have all this figured out. Most of them know Revelation pretty well, amen? Because that's a life changer. You want to know, the, you want to know those who love God? Look at their lives. Look at their lives. It's incredible that today the people that we have that believe they're wise, the people today the church holds up, these great men of God, these mega churches. The Bible says he who is wise wins souls. You want to know a mark of a ministry that has God's hand on it? Those, go to a church where people are being saved. It's incredible how many churches this morning are doing a lot of teaching, 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 teaching. Doctrine, doctrine, theology, a little bit of doctrine, a little bit more theology, and they all go home. And nobody's been saved there in years and years and years. They've never seen tears on the altar. That's the love of God. Love of God changes lives. The love of God brings in drug dealers. The love of God brings in alcoholics and changes them forever. That's the love of God. That's the love of Jesus Christ. He sets prisoners free. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That those people, I'm telling you, they honor God with their lips and their tongue. Their heart is far from Him. Each of us, those of the church, if you're born again, beware of the leaven. Hey, Jesus told this to the disciples. Listen, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. There's a little bit of Pharisee in all of us. We've got to be careful not to judge someone's praise, not to judge someone's worship. Ah, oh, this and this. We must be careful. We're not doing the devil's job for him. Satan's the accuser of the brethren. Let him do his job. He don't need our help. Love one another. Saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 11. 
That's Jesus' response. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Or how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Isn't it interesting? There's a man with a withered arm who needs to be healed. Isn't it interesting that their response, Jesus' response is, is it lawful to heal? Jesus' response to them was, he talks about finding a lost sheep. Isn't that incredible? We're talking about a man being healed, and Jesus immediately goes to a short parable about a sheep. A sheep being found. I mean, would you not? He basically said, would you not? If there was a sheep, would you not go pull it out of a pit if it was on the Sabbath? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. All of us. All of us are like sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. You know, in a sense, every single one of us, whether you're saved, if you're saved this morning, you're like me. You're that lost lamb that's been found. He found me and He healed me and He set me free. If you're saved, you're of the flock of Jesus Christ now. Jesus says in John chapter 10, that my sheep, they hear me and they know my voice. But all of us, in a sense, are, are a sheep. Whether you're saved or whether you're lost, all we like sheep have gone astray. All have, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, if you're a lost sheep, you need to be found. If you're a lost sheep, you need to be healed. You need to know this this morning. God has not given up on you. God loves you. In a sense, I was self-righteous. I believed I was saved. I trusted in what I had done. There's a little bit of self-righteous in all of us. But thank God His grace is greater than our sin. He sought me out and He saved me. I was a lost sheep. And guess what? He pulled me up out of the pit. He pulled me up out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and He healed my broken heart. I've never been the same since. I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You see, He'll find you. The shepherd of your soul who redeemed you, who saved you, who paid the price on Calvary's hill. He paid. He died on the cross for all of our sin. It's all been paid for. But you must come to God by faith. By faith you are saved. By grace you are saved. Through faith. That not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. In 1 Peter 1 Peter 2.25, he says this. 1 Peter 2.25 says this. 20, excuse me, 1 Peter 2.24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like a sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer, of your souls. Aren't you thankful we have a shepherd? I want to say this this morning. God loves you. And nobody in here is too far that He cannot reach you. If you cry out to God, He will abundantly pardon. He still heals. He still saves. You know, I can try and preach and do my best, but I can't open the eyes of the deceived. 
But I need you to know this this morning. God loves you. And He has not given up on you. And you must be saved. You must be born again. And the love of God should be a mark of your life. Your life speaks to who's your master. Your life speaks to who's your God. You see, most of the self-righteous, most people who aren't saved, there's a, there's a reason. It's because they're too prideful. They're too prideful to lay aside themselves and say, I need a Savior. Because they trust in themselves. Then he said to the man, Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. You see, Jesus responded to them. And Jesus says to the man with a withered arm, stretch out your hand. The man does the best he can to pick it up and hold it out. And Jesus heals him and restores it as whole as the other. Most those who come to God, and there are those that seek the Lord. John chapter 2, Jesus said, what do you seek? You see, there's a lot of times in my life, I sought the Lord. Lord, fix this. Lord, heal that. Fix, do this, do that. It was never God, I give you my life. I repent of my sin. You know what happens most of the time? The self-righteous religious come to church and they've got that withered arm, spiritually speaking. And they come before the Lord and Jesus says, stretch out your hand. And this is their response. Stretch out your hand. Strong. It's okay. It works fine. Looks good. They don't present to God a humble heart. They don't give God the broken and contrite heart. They're too prideful. They tuck it away and they hide it. Everything's great, Lord. Thank you for the message. Everything's good. Many shall say on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do many things? I'm paraphrasing. Didn't I do this and that? He shall tell them, depart from me. I never knew you. God loves you. God never gives up on us. I can't remember it was said one night this week. When a moment of grace met a lifetime of hurt. When a moment of grace met a lifetime of sin. Hey, listen. When hopelessness meets Jesus, you meet hope. When unforgiveness meets Jesus, you meet forgiveness. When you think you failed and you've gone too far, just meet Jesus. His grace is greater than your sin. He's more powerful. This morning, if you need to be saved, if you're in here, I believe this. God is pursuing you. He has not given up on you. I don't care if you're as far gone as Saul was. Saul became Paul. I don't care who you are this morning. God loves you. He has not given up on you. Hopelessness and despair is a lie from the pits of hell. 
His grace is greater. Jesus Christ is more powerful and He loves you and He'll pursue you to your dying breath. You have not gone too far that He cannot save. His power is greater and He loves you. And if you're a Christian this morning, you're already saved. You know, I remember two years ago a time in my life where God had to deal specifically with something with me. I was that Christian. I was a child of God. But there's still things in my life that needed to happen. Branson was still prideful. Branson was still this. Branson was still that. There was things that God needed to break me of. Remember Peter? He followed and he loved the Lord. He wasn't really used till he was broken. You must be broken. If you want to be used by God, you must be willing to humble yourself. Lay aside your rights and your pride. You must be willing to be broken to be used by God. I'm telling you, many of the church house, those who are saved, those who love God, come in here each and every week and you come forward and He says, stretch out your hand and you keep it hidden. You don't want anybody else to see your infirmity. You don't want anybody else to see your anxiety. You don't want anybody else to see your unforgiveness, your sickness, your pain, and you hold out your other hand. Friend, this morning, God loves you. He'll pursue you to the end. He longs that you may be closer to Him. He longs that you abide in Him. The Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Church of the living God, child of the living God, sons and daughters of the living God, He loves you and He longs to use you in a mighty way. Give it all to Him. Give it all to Jesus. He'll heal. He'll pardon. He's the Redeemer. The forgiver of sin. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And it was restored as whole as the other. In Isaiah chapter 55. I have good news this morning. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me, Jesus says. Here and your soul will live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. Listen to this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and He will have mercy on him and to our God. For He will abundantly pardon. God loves you this morning. God loves you. His grace is greater than your sin. He'll seek you out like that lost lamb. He'll pull you up from the darkness. He'll pull you up out of the miry clay. Christian, if there's something in your life, don't be afraid to present it to the Lord. You know, Jesus Himself humbled Himself to the point of death, even the death of a cross. He came and served and put everybody else as more important to Him. The most important man that ever lived. God loves you. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Be willing to lay it aside. Be willing to say, God, I'll give it to you. I'll present it to you. You know what? I love this. I was reading in Matthew the other day. How many times? And it says, and He healed them. And He healed them. And He healed them. He is our healer. 
He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He loves you. As our worship team comes this morning, Father, we love You. We're thankful so much that You are a blessed Redeemer. We're thankful that You are our Savior. We're thankful we can come and praise and worship You. Oh, this morning, God, if there be one in here, if there be that one lost lamb, we ask You to save him, God. Continue to knock at the door of that heart, Lord. We ask You this morning, have Your way right now in this altar call, God. Help us as the church to be willing to present it all to You, God. Help us to be willing to humble ourselves, to be broken, oh God, Your Word says that You're near to the brokenhearted, Lord. We love You, God. We thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You that Your grace is greater than all of our sin. Thank You for Your goodness, Your gentleness, Your mercy, God. Thank You that You'll pursue us to the end, God. Oh, I pray this morning if there's a heart, if there's a heart, if there's a situation that says hopelessness, if there's a situation that says despair, if there's an infirmity, I pray this morning, go God, we just present it before you, God. Oh, and Lord, I love it when your word says that he healed them. Jesus, I pray.